Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with addiction expert, Dr. Rob Kelly, who's been featured on a ton of TV and radio shows, including CBS's The Doctors. He's a very, very busy guy, so I'm extremely grateful that he could join me here. Thanks for hopping on today with me, Rob. Absolutely, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Heard lots about the show, lots about you, so I'm really, really excited to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So, you know, one of the things that we haven't gotten a chance to talk before, but one of the things that, uh, that I caught right away, just in us being connected on social media is that you are definitely more focused on the solution to addiction rather than the problem itself. I love that. Uh, you know, that's something that I think is super important. Uh, but I do want you to just start off here by telling me a bit about uh, what things look like before you got sober and how you actually ended up finding recovery. It's a great story. Uh, when I look back now, it's a sad story. It's a happy story. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, I started drinking at the age of nine, which is quite young. I came from a musical family. So I was uh, playing in bands at the age of nine with my auntie and uncle. And when I look back now, the first drink, I should have realized that when I drank the first beer, little half a beer that my uncle gave me, the whole world just lit up. I was just had this confidence and uh, it was just unbelievable. So my drinking career kind of set up there, set up my alcoholism, I believe, because I, I believe we're born this way after all my research I've done. And, and, and gradually through uh, school, high school, and then college, I went to Oxford University. Uh, so I was highly educated. Uh, I was also a session musician at Abbey Road at the time. So I played with John Bowie and Queen, uh, funded my school. So everything looked good from the outside, but I was drinking like crazy. And over a period of time, I, I did what most people do uh, who suffer from alcoholism and addiction, is I look for outside things to fix my addiction. So I got married. I had the first child. And I swore on the Bible when I had my first child that I'd never touch alcohol again. Mm. That was the worst three hours of my life because that's <laughs> all I lasted. And I was drinking again, the same with the second child. I mean, all these thoughts of I'll stop when, I'll stop when. Sure. And uh, I never could. Mm. You know, I, I tried so many times. I promised my wife, I promised my kids. Just wasn't happening. And eventually through violence in the house and, cheating on women outside the house because I was drunk every day towards the end. Uh, I lost everything. My wife, cars, houses, kids, holiday homes, parents, brother and sister. I went from parents to friends, from friends to acquaintances, and finally from acquaintances to the streets where I spent 14 months on the streets. 
actually living on the streets, not sofa surfing, as some people call it, couch okay. surfing. I was literally living and you know under trees and in bus shelters and okay. stuff like that. It was horrendous. So I was watching an interview, and I believe it was your interview uh, or one of your interviews, at least on the doctors. And you were talking about this moment where, you know, you had, you were going through DTs, you had the shakes, you know, uh, it, it was on you, like you needed a drink, right? This thing was, the disease was talking and, um, and it was telling you what to do. And you walked into the liquor store and you didn't feel relief after taking the first drink. You felt relief after picking up the bottle. What, what did that moment kind of tell you right there? It told me that I remember putting a hand on the bottle and the relief was phenomenal. And if you're an alcoholic out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <sighs> and yeah. my mood changed. Everything changed. Mm. And I was, you know, the sweats have gone, the shakes have gone. And I looked at the bottle and that was my breakthrough regarding addiction was it wasn't the alcohol. It's the way I react and think about the alcohol. Mm. And that sent me when I got sober finally. It sent me on, on a track of finding out what alcoholism and addiction really is about. Because there's too many people out there dying of untreated alcoholism and addiction. And, uh, you know, they're going to treatment spend, spend 30 days there. They come out. And most alcoholics drink on the way home from the treatment center. So I wanted to find out what was going on here. But that specific point is where it all started for me. Okay. And so how did you actually end up in in recovery i mean you know if you could kind of just fast forward us through you, you know did you get involved with did you go to treatment did you get involved with a 12-step program what what did all of this look like i know it sounds like some of your education obviously helped give you uh, or start to give you some insight on on all of this stuff but what, what was the evolution of your own journey I, I, after about 14 months on the streets, I remember it very vividly there. 2.30 in the morning, it was uh, Sunday morning, so, uh, sorry, Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning. It was pouring down, I had no shoes on. It was about two degrees, it's freezing cold, and I dropped down to my hands and knees, and I started to cry from my stomach. Not from here, but from my stomach. A real sad, desperation, mm. suicidal cry. And I looked up to the sky, and, it, and this is what I said. I said, God, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. Yeah. And I kid you not, Jonathan, 30 seconds later, a guy walked around the corner with a little Bible in his hand, and he said, do you want help? And I said, yeah, I'm dying. He let me come back to his house, wash and change, and off I went. I went to a, an, an AA meeting with him. That was one of his things, that if you stay in the house, you've got to come to AA with me. Wow. And I thought, of all the people... In Manchester, it has to be a Christian who's in AA because I hated AA. It didn't work for me. Or so I thought then. So he took me to my first meeting and I sat around watching everybody tell war stories and stuff. And there was a guy right around opposite me, around the circle. That's how we do it in the UK. Right opposite me, white hair, white beard. And he said to me, well, he said, first of all, he said, my name's John and I'm a recovered alcoholic. And mm. it kind of threw me when he said recovered. So after the meeting, I went over to him and I asked him to sponsor me. And he said, no, I couldn't believe it. He said, but I will be your spiritual advisor for a period of 90 days. And there set off my 
absolutely unbelievable new life. That's awesome. I remember walking out that guy's door having done the 12 steps. Um, on a Sunday, I walked after finishing the 12 steps. And I knew that if I continued to do what I'm doing, I'd never drink again. That was 28 years ago. Wow. Man, I, I, I love hearing stories like that. And, you know, I don't want to get too sidetracked on, on this here, but I think you brought up an important point. I know that to some degree I was, you know, I had the same thinking and there may be some people that are listening to this that have either had the same thinking in the past or kind of, you know, at that same place of the 12 steps don't work for me. And so, you know, what, what would you say to someone that is just like, no, it's just, it's not going to work for me. That's still maybe struggling with, with addiction. What would you say to them? So this is my opinion. So I have to be careful about this. Sure. This is my personal, but not professional opinion. This is my personal Rob Kelly on the streets talking from my research, my findings, everything that I've read on alcoholism, mm -hmm. I studied Carl Jung uh, in, in college. There is no better way for me than AA. I mean, the book of AA is absolutely years before its time. Uh, the psychic change we call a neural pathway change today, a change of thinking, psychic mind change, a change of the way you think. It was absolute genius. Hmm. But AA will work for everybody who wants to recover from alcoholism, period. Never seen a person fairly thoroughly fold out part of the book says, so true. I've seen people come in, come out. I've been to maybe hundreds of thousands of meetings around the world. Uh, I, I spent years and years speaking uh, on the big book at AA, and it's just a fine bit of literature, the big book, and the fellowship of AA, because the fellowship is the, is the groups we go to. It's not AA. It's the fellowship of AA. is absolutely amazing. So the success rate, they say, in AA is 3%. Let me, let me put you into perspective. The guys that go to AA who want to recover and are desperate enough to change their lives, the statistics there are a hundred percent guaranteed. Yeah, the, the guys awesome. that the guy the people that work it are the people that get the results. Exactly. You know, my, my first sponsor said to me, Rob, I've seen you, I've seen you, you know, drinking coffee, mm -hmm. I've seen you smoking cigarettes, I've seen you hitting on the women, Rob, but have you done the work? I hadn't done the work. And he said, in that case, the same man will drink again. Yeah. And oh my goodness, was he right? Wow. Was he right? Now, I, I'm sure there are some people that are going to be listening to this that maybe aren't in a 12-step program. They're perfectly happy. They found a life in recovery. And I think that's, that's awesome. You know, I think there are different pathways into recovery. But I also think, and that's why I wanted to touch on this, I know that I've had a lot of conversations with other people uh, guys that have approached me about sponsorship or coaching or whatever it is. And, you know, I say, look, kind of like you said, my opinion, what's worked for me, what I've seen in my own life work for so many people, not just to get sober, but to really recover and start living an awesome life, uh, it, you know, is a, is a 12 step path to recovery. And I'll have people say, man, I tried it. And it's kind of like you're saying, maybe they went to a couple meetings yeah. Uh, you know, and I know that when I went in initially, I expected things to kind of work through osmosis, right? I was just going to go in, I was going to kind of be, you know, I was going to catch the bug and I, you know, and I was going to be good to go and I was going to go out and be able to, you know, get high on pain pills and drink like a gentleman. <laughs> you I know, think, that, that, that was my thinking. 
Exactly, yeah. And I think there's a couple of important things to mention to to, uh, to people out there. That First of all, not everybody in Alcoholics Anonymous is an alcoholic. I mean, I, I would say from visiting different groups around the world that probably, I want to say 60% of people in AA rooms are heavy drinkers or they're there for the wrong reason. So you have to be real careful. Now, it's a suggested program, but it's not a program of suggestions. There's 103 must words in the first 164. Things I must do. You, know, you ever travel down the road, Jonathan, and you see a lane that says must turn right? It's a directive. Yeah. You don't have a choice. You must turn right. It's the same with the book. If you want to recover, look for the must words. Look for the messages. Look so, for the promises. Yeah. So I, I want to touch on that real quick because what you're talking about right there is something that I'll, I'll just say it changed, changed my life. It probably saved my life. Uh, and I think it's so important, right? Like 12 step programs, they are suggested programs, but what I saw almost immediately, and that, that works for a guy like me, right? I don't like being told what to do, but when yeah. life got to a certain point and it was essentially life or death, because that's where it was for me, I had just gotten in my mind, this insanity that, that I was going to die at a young age and I had become okay with it. That's the real the real insanity of it. You know, I, I had people that were extremely direct with me. And what I saw is, is that the people that took the suggestions were the people that were, were successful in this deal and staying sober and starting to, to build a, a, a happy life. That's what I wanted. I just wanted to be happy at the end of the day. And I got, I got way more than that, but you know, you've been called the, the Gordon Ramsay of addiction, because you are very uh, direct, you don't beat around the bush. And, and like I just said, I think that that saved my life, you know, having other men, especially uh, in recovery that said, look, Jonathan, you're, you're either going to do this thing, or you're not, you know, don't, don't waste my time. Because there are other guys that I can be helping. So I know that was huge for me. Tell, tell me why you why you think that's important. What why is that important for an addict to have someone be direct with them as opposed to maybe kind of baby them a little bit? Well, sometimes I always get that. Well, you know that wouldn't work with me, and I have to say, well, go and drink some more. You know, it, it, it's it's a no nonsense. Back in AA when they first started in 1938, they used to actually direct you believe in God and you want to get well. Yes, come in. Do you believe in God? Do you want to get well? Well, next. You know, let's let's get serious about this. We have a deadly disease that for which there's no cure. We have a disease that kills people, thousands of people on a daily basis. And we go into these meetings and we want something to happen really quick and, and amazing for us because instant gratification is not quick enough for the alcoholic, but he's not willing to put the work in. And then he wants to run the show himself. I mean, I go direct. Look, this is going to kill you. End of story. You know, but by trade, I'm a psychologist and a neuroscientist. That's my basic fact. Well, you can't, you know, you can't discount, discount that once you have the spiritual awakening and the psychic change, and this is my findings, and it's so true over 27 years, your DNA changes. So you're not the same person when you go into these rooms or treatment, if it's good, there's you are when you come out. So it was the psychic change and the spiritual awakening that changed my DNA. So again, the same man will drink again. We have to change. And when you're desperate enough, I, I, didn't, I don't care if my sponsor, when I first went, hit me with a bat. I just wanted the compulsion to drink to be taken away. I didn't want my houses and cars and kids. What sort of father was I? 
I just wanted the compulsion to take it away. After several suicide attempts, I was done. And, and I did the program. It's crazy, Jonathan. When this guy took me through the original program, I wanted to do the program. I wanted to, to, to take me through the actual steps. And then when I failed, because I knew I would, because of the promises and the must words in AA, I was going to sue AA, get like a million dollars off them, go to an <laughs> island somewhere in, in, in Hawaii or something, and uh. drink myself to death with about 10 girls. Well, darn it, it worked. So wow. I couldn't sue them. And it worked wow. for everybody else I've been with. But for me, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and that's fine. That's mm. why, you know, go and find a sponsor that will hold your hand and walk you through this deal. Because if you if you if you, if you if it with me, you're not going to last two seconds. But if you really want to do this deal, a desperation of a drowning man, the book says. If you're at that point, you see, if I'm drowning in the middle of the ocean and you throw up, Jonathan, go, hey, Rob, how much is your mortgage? What? How much is your car payment? I'm not interested in that. Yeah. The only thing I'm interested in right now is surviving because I'm dying. When people mm. are at that point, I'm your guy. Wow. I'm your guy. Yeah. And I mix I mix the the, the my, my private part. And I've also gone into the neuroscience and the psychological part of addiction. And I've never failed. We have like a 97% success rate here because we only take on four clients and I will hunt you down. I don't care if you're California, I will find you and I will kidnap you and I will bring you back and make sure you get well because this is a passion. There's a way out. And I've yeah. been thanked thousands of times. I've worked with about almost 6,000 people in the last 27 years. Wow. That, so that's, that's a ton of people. Now, let me ask you about something because you said you had this experience yourself and you just touched on it again there. How often do you come across people that have a hard time seeing the unmanageability of what's going on because they haven't hit what in their mind is a rock bottom? And I think, you know, a rock bottom in most people's minds is eventually what ended up happen, happening to me. Uh, you know, there's those yets, right? Like I haven't lost all my money yet. I haven't gotten, you know, divorced yet. All these different yets, these things that can happen and, and usually do end up happening because this is a, a progressive illness, right? So, but how, how often do you see people that can't really grasp how unmanageable their life has become because in their minds they're thinking the unmanageability is more about the physical world the money the relationships as opposed to what's going on internally you know how they feel about themselves and uh you know the self-loathing and the shame and all that stuff that's going on how often do you see that i see it all the time you know alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world period so i ask him one question when you start drinking, can you stop? When you take the first drink, can you stop? And usually the answer is no. Then I point out exactly what's going on. And if they're still unsure, I tell them to go and drink. Hmm. The book says that. If you're not really convinced, go and step up to this bar and try some controlled drinking. Sure. You know, until you know as well as I do, Jonathan, until you're ready, you're not ready. And yeah. it doesn't matter the difference what anybody does, you know, you're just not gonna do it. And I found with, with people I've worked with and some people that I refuse to work with. Because we turn down like 70% of people that come to us. And, and, and the same with sponsorship is if you're not willing to change and you haven't got the desperation, then go out and come back when you have. Because there's nothing I can say that's going to change your mind. Yeah. And at first, Jonathan, when I got sober, I was sponsoring people 
you know, I'd be running in bars and dragging people out going, come on, you need, you need this program, it's unreal, it's fantastic. Just having a glass of wine with the wife and I was pulling them out because I was all this gunk-ho and I ended up in hospital. I was nervous exhaustion and almost a breakdown because I'd found this program and it was a 1939 program that we look at. We even get a 1939 dictionary when the success rate was about 95 to 100%, especially around acro, you know, that I wanted to give away so badly. And yet through self-torture and stuff, I found out that unless somebody's ready, like I, I won't put my hand up when they say to anyone sponsoring my, in my meetings, the book says his attention should be drawn to you a recovered alcoholic. What you say when you share, how you carry yourself, uh, we always give him back to the community, giving people money, you know, paying people's mortgage or rent. You could tell that I'm on a different plane, like all my friends are, you yeah. know, and you don't have to be pointed out to what you know that we, we've got our stuff together. Sure. And that's what counts, I think. Attraction to the person, not promotion. Well, and that's, you know, that's exactly how I got linked up with my first sponsor. I mean, not to get into the story too much, but because I've shared it a few times, but you know, I saw this older gentleman that was living in, in my apartment complex and I saw younger guys coming in and out of his place. And, you know, I was in the throes of my addiction at the time. So of course, where my thinking went is I was wondering, you know, what drugs this guy was selling. And, uh, you know, I approached him and I asked him if, if he knew where to get any good weed and he was super cool about it. And, and he was like, no, I don't. But there, there was something that, that attracted me to this guy, you know, and at the time I couldn't put my finger on it, but you know, he definitely had some of the qualities that, that you're talking about. So, uh, you know, I, I have to say that I think some people, uh, you know, might hear you say, you know, if they're not ready, I, I just kind of move on and they're like, Oh, well, Rob, how, how can you do that? And, you know, I haven't been around as long as you. I've been I've been sober about six and a half years now, but I have been around long enough to understand this, that, you know, number one, if I if I chase someone around that is not ready, I'm I'm missing out on other opportunities for people that are ready. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing I've seen is this and I'd like your thoughts on this is that, you know, if I'm chasing someone around and I'm really almost trying to like force this upon them and. And I'm calling them every day and, hey, what's going on? Let's say it's a guy I'm sponsoring. Hey, did you do your step work? Hey, did you do your step work? You know, and he's not doing this deal. I, I could possibly just be prolonging the amount of time that, or the pain that this guy needs to feel to get to that point to really have the motivation to want this. I mean, does that make sense? It does. And even the big book itself says don't waste time with somebody who doesn't really want it. Leave them the big book. And that's what I do. And, and I hear people all the time, yeah, Rob, but, you know, you have to stick with those people because you might, you know, they might want, no, no. There, there's other sponsors for that. There's other people. That's why God gave us therapists. That's why God gave us psychologists and doctors and hospitals and treatment centers. No, if you're not ready, not for me. Go on, get out of here. Yeah. See, I do this for a couple of reasons, to, to bear witness to the still-suffering alcoholic. That's why I go to my meetings. That's what the book says I have to do. Not because I need a meetings. Meetings won't keep you sober. Steps will keep you sober. It's not the meetings we make, it's the steps we take all the time. And if you're not ready, I've not got time to waste on you because little Johnny over there in the corner is dying of untreated alcoholism while you're deciding if you want this deal or not. So to those people who say that, and I've heard it, them said it loads of time, go and try working with as many people as I've worked with and tell me you don't do the same after that. Mm, because wow. you're just wasting your time, wasting yeah. your energy, and you've got to be excited about recovery. 
And the only way you're going to get excited about recovery is if you see people get well around you. I thought the best thing in the world is when I recovered from alcoholism. And then when I took somebody else through the program for the first time, I thought that was the best thing in the world until I saw him taking somebody through the program. That's and that's cool. what it's all about. That, now, if someone would have cut along who didn't want it, yeah. that, all that would have been wasted. I wouldn't have seen that miracle happen. That's true. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I'd agree with that. I had never thought about that next level of someone that you've worked with, you know, them taking someone else through the steps, but that's really the, the whole point of it. Right. So let, let me ask you, I mean, I don't want to put, you know, words in your mouth here, but I, I think that if we were to uh, narrow your message down to one idea, it, it would essentially be that you can permanently recover from addiction. Would you say that's right? Yeah. It's one of the promises in the book. We're looking for permanent recovery. We're not looking for temporary or a band aid. You yeah. can permanently recover from this disease. You know, they say there's no cure. There's no cure for a common cold. Mm. But I went to the doctor once. There's no cure for food poisoning, Jonathan. I went to the doctor once. And I had food poisoning. And he says, this is what you have to do. Go home, take this stuff, drink plenty of water, and let me give you a few steps to make sure you don't get food poisoning again. And he did. Don't yeah. reheat frozen food. Watch the dates on the products. Never had food poisoning again. It's the same with alcoholism. Follow a few simple steps, you'll never get alcoholism again. You'll always be alcoholic because I have the traits. I have the addictive brain, which is good. I don't mind having the addictive brain. That's why I'm brilliant at what I do. Yeah. But I always ask people this question. How bad do you want this? Mm. Yeah. That's all I say to them. Well, you know, next, how bad? I want it really bad. How? So just me. You know, because we're undisciplined, the book says. You're going to call me at three minutes past two. Oh, well, that's ego, Rob. No, it's not. How bad do you want it? You call me at three minutes past two, we're in. I'll work with you. You call me at two o'clock, you're trying to get it over. What are you up to? You call me late, I can't be that important right now. I'm going to spend a lot of time with you, making sure that you get what I've been given. Yeah. And that's just the way I am. People either love me or, me, or they hate me. And what I've found is the guys that love me support my dream and the guys that hate me just want to be me i mean i've made it guys if you're jealous of what i do get your backside out there i said backside not the real word out there and do some work you know somebody said to me today you know i'm miserable i'm doing a talk somewhere a treatment center. he said i'm miserable i don't know what to do and my reply was when's the last time you worked with somebody When's the last time you gifted somebody something? When's the last time you bought lunch for somebody, paid gas for somebody? When's the last time you gave back to the community? Mm. Don't come that rubbish with me that you're miserable. If you're miserable, you're doing this program wrong. If you're there struggling on a daily basis, find your sponsor or reread the book because you're doing it wrong. There's 133 promises in the big book. There's 103 must words. There's over 100 messages and there's 352 God words. I, I love your passion, man. God, I'm so passionate about this stuff because yeah. I've seen so many people recover, Jonathan. Yeah. You know, so many people go on to do some amazing things. I've also, with my, with my profession, worked with some of the biggest movie stars in the world. Box mm. office two years ago. Biggest box office seller. Some of the most famous rappers, pop stars, rock stars in the world. I've worked with janitors, 
I've worked with uh, people that work in a store, drive a truck, and I've seen these people get their life back, and you can't tell me that you can't recover. You can't tell me. I'm not having it at all whatsoever. When you're bad enough, we'll show you a way out. Yeah. And that's it. And, and that's why I get passionate, you know, because I know what you can have because I was there. And I've got my checklist, Jonathan. You've never been home at check. You've never been beat upon at check. You've never lost your kids. Check. I God's got me checking everything off. So when somebody comes to me going, yeah, Robert, you don't understand. I'm sorry, buddy, but I do. Yeah, you've been there. Way out. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, and and, yeah. and you have a solution. So, so we look, we've talked a lot about the 12 steps here. I'm a 12-step guy. Love it. Changed my life. I know it's helped a lot of people here. But I think like you, I'm also big into what the science says and, yes. and what the research says behind this. And, and I would uh, venture out to say that you're probably a pretty smart guy. You do have a PhD. Uh, so, so what is, let me ask you this, what is some of the science behind permanent sobriety? Okay, so we are born with, the alcoholic is born with what's called the addictive brain. So if you don't ever touch alcohol and drug, you'll never know you have the addictive brain. Apart from, you'll be pretty good at what you do hmm. in life okay. because we focus and we achieve. Yeah. So I'm born with, because I touch alcohol, my, my addictive brain is then sending out neural pathways, which are self-sabotaging. So I have self-sabotaging neural pathways. Now, my thought pattern, it depends what uh, secretion uh, comes from the hypothalamus, <clears throat> which is our fight or flight. <clears throat> Part of the brain just near the prehistoric brain depends on how my uh, neural pathways work <clears throat> now if i have a self-sabotaging neural pathway that means that under any circumstances it could be raining it could be sunshine it could be a good day it could be a bad when anything happens to me i'm going to drink end of story it's virtually impossible to stop somebody once they start romancing the idea not when the thought comes in they call them fleeting thoughts so what happens is the self-sabotaging pathway is here and there's a way of splitting it. So you have the self-sabotaging and the healthy pathway. In that slot there behind this, these two, you have a 7.3 second time limit. This is my study, my findings. During that 7.3 seconds or roundabout, you can redirect that neural pathway to a healthy lifestyle. Wow. Once you start romancing the idea in that 7.3 seconds, you're done. Because once it travels down the self-sabotaging way, you're done. And that's why when people start romancing, it's impossible to stop on the way to the liquor store. Mm. In fact, the most uh, happiest time when the endorphins are firing and the dopamine is wild in your body and your brain is traveling to the dealer. How crazy is that? It's not taking the drug. Yeah. It's not drinking the alcohol. It's the drive there. Wow. So I, I don't want to oversimplify this here, but you know, the, the way that I was just kind of breaking down in my own mind, what it is you're saying is that there, there may be, even with years of sobriety, that first thought that, that is just kind of pre-wired into our minds because we, we have this addictive brain. I was doing what I was doing for so long, right? It's just there. It's like, go get high. But then thankfully, where I am these days, because I'm doing what I need to do, that second thought is that first thought was really crazy. And what you're saying is there's a 7.3 second period 
in which I can either go one way or the other with that second thought. Is that kind of what, what you're saying? Okay. Correct. So when that time comes in, we know it's coming in. Body's changed before. Hmm. Uh, mood has changed. Uh, we get annoyed. We get uh, argumentative with anybody. These okay. signs are probably a week before we, we start that thought comes. Okay. But once that thought comes, you have a time limit. Of hmm. now, now, the crazy thing is, Jonathan, is when we keep redirecting down the neural pathway, the good one, not the self-sabotaging one, right. the more we use this, it's like a freeway. It's like, you know, freeway number one as, as this. And then we're going to try to build another freeway off it, which is faster, quicker, and like a toll road. The more this one gets used, the less this one will come up first choice. This one, like a road, it'll start getting moss on it, bricks on it, until you, it's almost in, unusable. But the 7.3 seconds, and this is where people go wrong, they depend on that, oh, I've got great thoughts now, I've got fantastic thoughts, and everything will be okay. No, what we have is a daily reprieve. Mm. And reprieve stands for a day of execution. So this is Rob, the alcoholic, Jonathan. Okay. And he wants to run off with your wife, spend all your money, beat anybody up, be nasty and steal off people. That is the way I'm born, Jonathan. Mm. This is the hand of God. It's my program. There's my being kind, giving back, working with alcoholics, and being a great husband. Now, if I do that every morning, my prayers, my meditation, I walk out the door like this, and everything goes well. But have a guess who wakes me up this next morning? It's this guy. Mm. And unless I do my stuff in the morning and walk out like this, this guy is going to relapse within minutes of walking out the front door. And when I put it that way, people go, Oh my goodness, yes, that's it. Because it doesn't matter how many years you've got. You've heard it yourself. Johnny was 40 years sober and he relapsed. Right. It, you know, people say to me all the time, I was doing my program and I relapsed. Rubbish. It's yeah. impossible to do both. Yeah. You're either doing your program or you're not, and then yeah. you relapse. So don't come back with me because if you're doing your program, any kind of program that's solid, 12 step, our program, Johnny's program, as long as you're doing the basic stuff of staying in touch, standing yeah. in the sunlight of the spirit, giving back and bearing witness, it's impossible to drink, mm. period. And that's really what people like don't that. get, you know? And that's what we've been working on is building them new neural pathways in the head. You know, you can, if you go out to drive the car this afternoon when you're going home, you're probably on the phone, you're probably thinking about something else, you never sure. get a thought of driving that car. That's because solid neural pathways have been built for driving that car. There's billions in our head. Mm. We just have to create new neural pathways and going back to the book, psychic change. Yeah. Ways of thinking, we can get your way. And it's literally that simple. It's not, people overcomplicate this stuff. 7.3 seconds will change your life. Mm. There's a website out there called 7-3seconds.com. It's my website. It tells you exactly how to recover. It's coming in January. How to set that time to make sure and your body's going to turn you weeks before. And alcoholism will never come to me on a Monday and go, hey, Rob, let's drink today. Yeah. Never does that. Yeah. It's a week or two before, as you know, when you start getting off course and niggly and argumentative and annoyed at the smallest things. There's the relapse. Wow. You know, I even with a few years in the steel, you know, if, if something ever pops up and – uh, you know, maybe I'm just kind of having an off day or something like that. Wh whatever it is, you know, a, a problem will pop up, big or small. 
And the way my mind works a lot of the times is I just like to try to reinvent the wheel occasionally, you know, and I like to really overcomplicate stuff. And, you know, I I was just kind of thinking as you were explaining all that there that some of the the uh, one liners, if you will, or and some of the ideas that I heard in the very first days of getting sober. That, that's really the foundation of all this stuff. The way I was thinking about what you were just saying is that you're either working on your recovery or you're working on your relapse. And I remember that was the first, you know, one of the first things that I heard. And I think that's just something that is, that is always going to be true. Now I want to ask you this. So uh, we connected over Facebook, right? I follow you on Facebook. Seems to me like now things aren't always what they seem on social media, but I would gather that what I'm seeing on Facebook is probably pretty accurate just from, you know, talking with you here. It looks like, you know, you have a, you're a pretty happy guy. You have a pretty awesome life these days. I've seen that, you know, uh, seems like you've done well for yourself financially, but I also see that you're constantly giving back and helping others. Now I need to ask you in your mind, how much does service and helping others relate to having a successful life? Uh, 95% without a doubt, you know, I'm always, and I tell my guys the same, uh, you'll never go broke by giving away, first of all. Mm. And secondly, if you haven't got finances to give away, your love, your time, your inspiration, but you know, we do all this stuff because a, because I can, I'm a self-made millionaire. Um, and, and secondly, you know, when I give back to people or I say thank you to somebody or I do a kind deed, dopamine is released in my brain. And it makes me feel good. While I'm feel good on my own dopamine, I'm not going to relapse. So although it looks like I'm a real charitable guy, which we are, I mean, I think we give probably $30,000 away last year. Um, it's, I'm also doing it for myself. You know, I want to feel good. I want to help people. When I was on the streets, nobody had time for me. You know, and I see these people and I give them money or I buy gas or I see a woman, not even in recovery, you know, counting her groceries out with six kids behind her. You know, and I'll give her $100, say, go and buy $200, go and buy what you need to buy. It's your daughter's birthday, let me give you, because this is what it's about. It's, it's, I've recovered from the disease of alcoholism, the hopeless condition they talk about. How can I have a bad life right now? You know, now how can I make somebody else's day? I compliment three people a day, and I try and make somebody's day every single day, sometimes without them knowing. And, and it surprises me when people come back. Like we went to a school a couple of weeks ago because we'd heard, you know, up north somewhere that, that um, some kids have been turned back for school lunches because they were in debt, the school yeah. debt. So we called an elementary school and say, hey, how much is your lunch debt? Like, what? How much is your lunch debt? So they told us considerable amount. We went down the next day and we presented them with a check. Now, awesome. we got nothing out of that. There was no news thing or nothing. But yesterday I received a letter from the school and they want me put, to put me up for a superintendent's award, which will be on Thursday, and, and, and sort of award me. And I was like in tears when I, when I saw it because when it comes to the addiction, I'm really aggressive and I'm passionate and I'm loud and I'm in your face. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll stand toe-to-toe with your disease and I will fight your disease till I beat it. Not you, your disease. But off that, I'm very, I'm very shy. I'm very quiet. You know, I try and be confident, even though I'm not, because it's what other people see that makes them change. Like if I'm having a bad day and I go to a meeting 
it's not my job to go in and moan about my day. It's right. a job to go in and bear witness to the still suffering alcoholic. And that's what I do. When I come back out, I can cry, moan to my sponsor, because that's why I give us sponsors. I don't go into other people who, who want to look for a way out or even patients that are looking for the way out and we go, oh, do you know something? I'm not really having a good day today. No, that's not my job. So giving back is important to me. Yeah, man. I, you know, and, and I don't know that, that any of us can fully explain how that works, right? I mean, but that has absolutely been my experience. I, I have never, number one, felt bad doing something for someone else, getting out of myself. But not only that, I mean, you know, not only do I know I have to do that, I know that I think kind of like what you're saying that, man, my life just gets, ha has gotten substantially better from doing that. I just don't even question it anymore. I know that, that I'm going to be okay and that, you know, I don't expect it, but it's very likely that things are, are going to actually get better, yeah. you know, when I do that, Every which time. is just, it's an awesome thing. It is, and you and you kind of guaranteed that, you know. Every time you do something good, something good will happen to you, and not as if we're expecting it. It's just part of recovery. Mm. Why not be that beacon of light? I look at myself as a lighthouse in the stormy sea. You know, you can see me from miles off. Goodness me, you can hear me from miles off. But I'm here, and <laughs> yeah. a safe harbor. And yeah. if you come to me and I can't help you, I'm going to direct you to another guy who can. Because you might want to walk through the program or a program hand in hand with somebody. And I might not be your cup of tea, but mm. I'll darn find somebody who will be your cup of tea. Because every day, you know, listen to this, every day is a day when you can save a life. I wasn't walking to a supermarket when I first got here 13 years ago to the USA. And I joked with a woman behind the counter. And she looked miserable, but she was baking a cake for me. Or, you know, and we had a joke around and on the way out she said you should shoot about 90 you should have been my boyfriend i said hey i would have snapped you up straight away and about a week later i was in there and she come up she found me in the store and she said to me rob what you said to me that day made my day and when i went home i was so happy my husband got happy and had a few drinks of wine it was just a great day you see how we affect people's lives and we don't even yeah. know it this is what it's all about compliment three people a day Make their day, you know. You never know the effect you have on somebody. I, I thank somebody, or I said, I got somebody involved and I said, you know, you're an awesome person. The next day, when I was around, he came over to me and he says, I was just going to commit suicide. I had the gun in my pocket when you were speaking to me. I would made my mind up. But because of what you said, I thought I'd give it another day. There's a week after, he was still coming up to me and saying thank you. You never know what people are going through, mm. you know. They don't need us to jump on the bandwagon and tell them our problems. You know, I think that three compliments a day is, I think that's a really cool idea. I think, yeah, that, you know, those are some pretty powerful stories right there, right? And, and we don't, you know, I think maybe sometimes we think that, you know, to do something for someone else has to be this big thing. I have to put all this effort into it. It's really not. It's, it can be something like uh, giving a compliment and, Man, and you feel good and they feel good. And yeah, we have no idea how it's going to affect that that person, you know, and how that little thing, that one little moment that took nothing for very little effort for me to do, you know, could completely change that that person's life. So you, you wrote a uh, I want to ask you about this. You wrote a book recently called Daddy Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. I've seen the cover of the book. And so is that you and your son on the book? 
That's me and my daughter. You're her, you like and your daughter. Like, okay. A boy, because you've got so much okay. curly hair. Yeah, that, <laughs> Sorry that's me and my daughter. That, yeah. And the book's dedicated to my daughter. Okay. And um, basically, it, it's a book about my life and how to survive and, you know, how such a miracle of even getting off the streets. Less than 3% people get off the streets once they're on there. And, and my rise to who I am and, and why I am. Mm. You know, and, and my daughter, in that picture, uh, we lost contact for about, I want to say about 13 years, 14 years. And she never spoke to me because of the damage I did, you know, thrown out and lived on the streets when they were quite young. And she contacted me about two years ago on, on Facebook. And we've spoken and I've been over. And our first meeting was absolutely mind-blowing. And she introduced me to my granddaughter. Wow. And we go over there a couple of times a year and she'll be coming to Texas soon. And it's just an absolute miracle. I'm in her life again, in my granddaughter's life. And you know, these are the miracles of recovery. So the book is about hope. The book is saying to people, no matter how far down you've gone, there's always a way out. And my job is to, is to raise them bottoms that people have in addiction. You don't have to go to the lengths that I've gone to yeah. to realize that life is precious. Life is amazing. And believe me, I'm 58 now, but I'm sure I went to bed when I was 18 and woke up when I was 58. That's how fast life is. And you have to, and you hear it all the time of these gurus and you just want to cringe when you hear it. But yeah. you've got to cherish every day as if it's your last day. I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow, Jonathan. I didn't even know I had you till last night at nine o'clock because my scheduler gives me my, my day, nine o'clock. I'm not interested in what I've got tomorrow. What can I give back today? What sure. can I cram in today? So I'm really proud of the book. It comes out on the 15th of this month on Amazon. Daddy, daddy, please stop drinking. And for me, and I'm not just saying this because we'll probably give all the money to charity, but for me, it's a must read. It really is. Yeah. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and just sharing uh, about what your experience has been, everything that uh, that you're doing for the recovery community. Um, so before we wrap up here, I want to ask you, what is one piece of advice that you'd like to share with everyone out there in the sober nation? That, that, that's some great advice I'm going to give here and I give to everybody. Uh, quantum physics tells us that we can be at several places at any one time. So on a basketball court, I can be 12 places at any one time, 20 places. Makes no difference. I want to be near the goal. So I visualize me, because I'm in 20 places, at that goal. And I want to score. I walk over and I take that position. I don't interview for it. I don't ask for it. I go and take it because my intentions are pure. Live your last day today and make sure that you get in a good, solid program that's going to change your life. Because there's life after addiction and alcoholism. That daily reprieve is unbelievable. But you have to ask yourself one simple question. How bad do I want this? And when you realize what that question means, you grab it by the horns and you run with it. And you do whatever you can. If you believe in God, guys, God will protect you and raise you and put people in front of you. And eventually, when you have the psychic change and the spiritual awakening, you're stood in the sunlight of the spirit. That means nobody can touch or hurt you while you're performing his work well. If you don't believe in God, 
believe in something, anything that's bigger than you. Can't be a doorknob or a light switch because somebody turns it off, you're done for. But it has to be something bigger than you. And believe me, and if it doesn't, believe me, it will get better. And if you follow them directions and it doesn't, you can find me on, on uh, Facebook or the internet. Call me. I'll give you whatever you want. You can have my cars and my house. I can do anything. It's impossible to do it. Once you do that, follow the directions, your life will take in a new meaning. At last, at last, we've been waiting for you to join us. Come and join us. It's an amazing life. It's an amazing life, guys, from the streets, begging for pennies so I could buy beer, hurting people for money to buy alcohol to where I am today is an absolute unbelievable miracle of God. But let me tell you, if I can do it, you can do it. Stop putting yourself down. Start thinking that God has chosen you or your supreme being, higher power, spirit of the universe has chosen you because we're in the business of recovery. He's put you in charge of getting people sober and it's going to be an amazing life. And that's all there is to it. That's awesome advice, man. Yeah, I, I really love that. And, you know, I've just got to say, I never thought that I would be someone that would talk about God or spirituality or any of that stuff, but believing in something bigger than myself uh, has, has made my life pretty incredible. And it sounds like it, it's done the same for you as well. So, Rob, again, I really appreciate you coming on with me, man. Thank you so much for being here with me. Absolutely. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Anytime, Jonathan, I can help. I just, I love what you do. I've been following you. Uh, I love that the uh, Sober Nation has captured you, you know, because I think that's a great step and you have a lot to, to offer. And uh, whenever I can be of service to you or anybody listening, but especially to you, don't hesitate to call. I'll always make time for you. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. And I greatly appreciate that. So, you can learn more about Rob and the Rob Kelly Recovery Group at Rob, R-O-B-B, kelly.com. And Rob's book, Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking, will be available on Amazon uh, on December 17th, uh, which we'll link to in the show notes. Nation, thanks for joining me, and I'll talk to you soon. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. Com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.